is so much more beyond what we can do. And we thank you, Father, that we can entrust you with these things. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Good morning, church. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Ty. I'm one of the pastors here. And I was doing the math, and it has been three months since I've spoke to you on a Sunday morning before, and I can feel it. Like, I'm one of those guys that, uh, you know, there's those people that are like, don't put me on stage, don't put me on stage. I'm like, I love being up here. I love the privilege of preaching the word. And it's been kind of like a Jeremiah moment where it's like fires inside of me, and I'm like, I'm ready to yell at people for a living. Like, let's do this. I just graduated Bible college. Like, I'm smart now. I'm ready to go. Like, let's do this. So uh, bear with me because I got a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it. But I have the mic, so you're going to listen to it. So it's going to be really good. But um, one other thing. I don't know. Um, Is there, like, any, like, I mean, we're a Pentecostal church, so hopefully everyone is there. Is there, like, any Pentecostal Pentecostals in the room? Like, you guys know I'm talking about, like, you you go the extra mile. Like, that's me, and I don't, about, I don't know about you guys, but when someone starts doing magic on the stage, I just start speaking in tongues at them. I'm like, demons be gone. But I promise, I know Scott. He's awesome. You want to be there. It's going to be good. But uh, if you're like me, we had our Harry Potter moment. We're good. Let's move on. It's going to be awesome. But uh, I want to start. I don't know why I said that. That was a terrible joke. Uh, I want to start with a, with a statement. I think most people, if you were to ask them, do not like their physical body. See, if, um, I think most people, when they look in the mirror every single day, will find something that they fine-tune on. They said, if I could only change this one thing. In fact, a national poll was recently taken and it said, if you could change anything about your life, what would it be? And the overwhelming number one answer was my physical appearance. See, there's a reason why the diet industry is $40 billion per year. There's a reason why even in an economic failing crisis, gym memberships are an all-time high. Uh, The famous author, Mark Twain, is quoted saying, the only way to keep your health is to eat what you don't want, drink what you don't like, and do what you'd rather not. I find that to be very true in my life. See, but I feel like most Christians would feel the same way about their spiritual body. They'd look around at their church and they say, yeah, it's pretty good, but there are some things that can be improved. And to be honest, they're right, because the church should always be improving because the church is always growing. And today, I want to show you how we can improve our spiritual body. A great way to start is looking at the writings of Paul. Three times he uses the term, the body of Christ. See, when the Spirit describes the church, it says, it doesn't say it's an organization. It says it's a body. It's an organism. That's where we're called to be, a living, breathing organism. Far more than any organization. Because can I tell you, a corpse is organized. Everything's where it should be. It looks really good on the outside. It's well-structured, but it's dead. It's lifeless. I did a study just because I'm kind of nerdy like that, and I found out 
that the cell has, the body has over a hundred trillion cells in it at any given point. That's more than there are galaxies in the universe. And every cell in the body is like its own city. And every cell has what's called a nucleus. A nucleus, you can show how much I study science. And uh, a nucleus has our DNA in it, which is made up of 46 segments, I think most of us are familiar with, 23 from your mom, 23 from your dad, and they program each individual cell. And what's interesting is these will, will determine a lot of things in your life from your conception all the way until your demise. It'll uh, how, how you're gonna age, how tall you're gonna be, your temperament, a lot of things, it's really fascinating, but it's very, very intricate. In fact, if they translated the code from a single cell, and wrote it down in words, it would take 4,000 books to record all the information in one cell. If you were to read these 4,000 books, it would take, and if you were just to read them, three letters, or three words per second, it would take you 31 years of reading. That's without taking a bathroom break, without eating, without sleeping, 31 years straight. See guys, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. We are very complex. But as wonderful as this is, we're complex because we can also be messy and our bodies can get sick. And the reason why Paul is going to share this next passage with us is because the church in Corinth was a beautiful expression of the body of Christ. It was a beautiful church in Corinth. But over time, they became ugly because they grew sick. They were torn by division. They tolerated immorality and they were lax in their discipline. So this morning, I want to share with you four points on how we can build up our spiritual body. Before we get into that, let's pray. God, right now, I love you. God, I thank you for what you continue to do in my life and the lives of those here today. God, I thank you for this amazing community. I thank you that you work through us, not just as individuals, but together. God, I pray that as we learn more about you, that you would inspire action in our heart, that we wouldn't just give you word of mouth, but that we would worship you with our whole entire being. God, we love you. We thank you. Have your way. Your name. Everyone said, amen. Awesome. If you're taking notes, my first point is this. Recognize variety. If you were to look around this room, I think that you would notice pretty quickly that we're all a bit different. Now, some of us more than others, maybe. I don't know. But Paul starts in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12, and he says this. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. Now, real quick, before we finish this, I want to just share something about this. This is what's called an appositional statement. So it means that they're grammatically parallel, and so they're saying the same truth, but twisting it and saying it three different ways. So what they're saying is there's many gifts, but there's one source to this gift. So the way it's constructed is to honor the Trinity. In verse 4, it talks about the Holy Spirit, in verse 5, it talks about the Son, the living Lord. And in verse 6, it talks about God, the Father. See, Paul wants us to understand that just as there's variety in the church, that the Trinity comes together in a variety, but yet unity. So even in, in Paul's complex writing, it's awesome. He's showing us that we are various, that we have a variety because God is various and has variety. That he is, he is unified, but that he expresses himself in different ways. I think that's amazing. So continuing in verse 7, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing 
by the one spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another interpretations of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who, uh, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. See, what I find fascinating about this is the first thing that most people do when they hear this passage is they start to focus on specific gifts. They point to, I might have this one, you might have this one, but that's missing the whole point of why Paul's writing this. See, Paul's writing this to tell us that there's more than one gift. He's telling us that there's more than one style of ministry. There's more than one method of getting things done. That God doesn't just work one way, but God works in various ways. And that God doesn't just work through one type of people. God works through all types of people. I think we even see this in our world today. If you look around, there are various types of terrains in the world. There's ocean, there's desert, there's forest, there's mountains, there's all different kinds of things. And I appreciate that, not only because it shows the creativity of God, but because vacations would be really boring if everything looked like everything else, would it not? We go on vacations because we want to see new things. In fact, if you take that further and you look at the world, we have various kinds of plants and animals. Scientists today estimate there's probably over 10 million different species of plants and animals in this world. See, there's variety. God loves variety. See, so there's, there's a bunch of gifts listed. Some here count nine. Others will go through the whole New Testament, and they'll count 15. Others will say 19. Some will say 22 gifts of the Spirit, and they'll argue about it. And yet, again, it's really funny because that's not the point. The point is that each and every Christian in this church and in this world has a gift. There's an infinite amount of possibilities. There's an infinite amount of gifts that you can have. And even in those gifts, they express themselves differently through different personalities, but it shows that God works in variety. So, you know, unfortunately, uh, we see this less and less, but especially in the past, there'd be this strategy of church that we'd get people saved and we'd instantly want to put them in a mold. We'd say, now that you're saved, you need to act and look like everybody else. You need to read this version of the Bible. You need to like this kind of music. You need to say only these types of words. It reminded me of the story that I read uh, that talks about the tools in Jesus' carpentry, and they're having a meeting. See, and before the meeting, the other tools get together, and they talk about Brother Hammer, and they say, hey, we should kick him out of this meeting because he's really loud and noisy. And Brother Hammer says, well, if you want me to leave, then Brother Screw should also have to leave because you have to turn him around and around just to get him to get anything done. And Brother Screw says, then Brother Ruler must also go because he always thinks he's the only one who's right. And Brother Ruler says, I'll leave, but if I have to leave, the sandpaper should have to leave. He's rough and just rubs people the wrong way. And as they're sitting here arguing, in walks Jesus to build a pulpit from which to preach. And wouldn't you know it, he takes the hammer, the screw, the ruler, and the sandpaper, and he uses all these tools to build a pulpit that hopefully we'll have one day in this church, but that's besides the point, to build a pulpit. See, God used all these people that didn't even like each other to accomplish his purposes. See, a lot of us get surprised because often God will even use people that we don't get along with, and we sit there and say, Guy, why would you do that? Can I tell you? Because he's king, and the king can do whatever he wants. And the king says that I love variety, and there's no clones in the kingdom, and that he made each one of us uniquely. See, not only are there different kinds of gifts, but these gifts are exercised differently. If you have two people with the same spiritual gift, it's going to come out different. I can guarantee it. If you give me and Pastor Brent the same text, the same topic, the sermon we prepare is going to look different because we're different. 
And here's where this gets funny. You can look at me and Pastor Brent and, uh, I mean, we even dress alike. Look at that boots, jeans, button-up shirt. It looks good. We were both worship pastors. We were both youth pastors. We both have the gift of teaching, the gift of leadership. We have all these things in common. But you wouldn't find two people that express those gifts differently than me and him. And that's great. Because why have the overlap? We don't need two ties or two Brents. We need everyone. See, one of the ways that I, I love seeing this expressed is even in our office staff. You look at the pastors. I like to break like ministry leaders into or three different categories, prophet, priest, and king. Now, Pastor Brent is a king, not only because he's very regal and handsome, that's beside the point, but because he's well-structured, he gets things done, he likes to have systems, he's, he's a really organized guy, he's like a king, he's very good at those types of things. Pastor Charity and Pastor Melissa are like priests. The number one thing they're going to wonder is how does this affect people? They're ones that get excited about putting together bags for homeless and, and reaching out. They, they love showing mercy. See, I'm kind of the weird one. I'm kind of more the prophet type. My wife laughs at me. When we look at churches, I don't care what kind of music they sing. The first thing I do is go into their bookstore and say, what kind of books do they have? What, how are they preaching? Are they staying consistent with the word? I, we could sing Gaither vocal band, acapella for all I care, as long as the word's being preached accurately. I'm different than Pastor Brent. I'm more likely to burn systems down than to build them up. But together we come together, and Christ is beautifully expressed in our leadership because we come together in unity, but we're different. See, I think even outside of our staff, there's somebody like Billy Graham who has the gift of evangelism. He can speak to stadiums, thousands get saved. But even our own Tony McAllister, he's a tattoo artist that meets people one-on-one, -on -one, and he brings so, so many people to Jesus. He would never be caught dead speaking in a large group on a stage. They both have the gift of evangelism, but they show up differently. Yeah. Even look at how Jesus worked in his ministry. How did he heal people? Sometimes he'd lay hands on them. Other times he'd simply speak a word. Other times people would be leaving and they'd be healed after they left. One time he even makes a spitball, takes mud, rubs it in the person's eye. It's different. It's unique. See, don't fight variety, guys. Enjoy it. Because God made you. And when he made you, he didn't compare you to anyone else. He didn't use a mold. He made you uniquely. But see, some of you are really smart and you're already, see, you're already noticing there's a problem. And so we're going to get into that. So my second point is this. We're going to emphasize unity. In verse 12 it says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. See, so a lot of you probably noticed this problem already, and that's if we're continually recognizing our variety, our uniqueness, our individuality, it can lead to anarchy. Because all of us are so caught up in what we want to do specifically that we lack cohesiveness. See, variety needs to be balanced with unity. We all need to exercise our gifts, but together for the same purpose and the same goal. Just like the human body, the church has a head and the head isn't the pastor. The head is who? Jesus. I was like, Sunday school answer, guys. You got this. It's going to be good. See, just like in the body, the head is control center. It controls everything. Everything comes from the brain in our body, and it goes through our nervous system, and it gets things done. It, it works through all things, and, it, and the message is spread. The Holy Spirit is kind of like the nervous system. Jesus makes commands. The Holy Spirit goes and interacts with every single person, spreading out what he's commanding, and we all move forward because the head commands it and the nervous system expresses it. 
This is how we operate smoothly. See, we see this even in our human body. We're going to stand around and our stomach's going to tell our stomach's going to tell our brain, "Hey, I'm hungry." And your brain's going to tell your legs, "Start walking." <laughs> and you're going to walk towards the barbecue. You're going to keep walking, and then your eyes are going to spot the meat. Your nose is going to smell the onions, and your brain's going to say to the hand, grab that burger, put bread on it, throw away the lettuce, and stuff it in your mouth. <laughs> and then you'll be satisfied, and your life will go on happily. So there's a variety of gifts in our body, but they have to be brought in unity of purpose, purpose because that brings profit to everyone, to us all. The gift God has given you isn't for your own gratification. It's for the edification of all. See, strength is for service. It's not for self-seeking. But that requires communications because if members don't communicate with each other, they're, they're not coordinated. In fact, they look kind of jerky in their movement. They're spastic, unsmooth, and often it looks very destructive. So unfortunately, what the world sees when it looks at the church is often disunity. It doesn't get to see this beautiful, wonderful, in-shape body with smooth, coordinated efforts. Often it sees striving and fighting at their weekend gatherings. See, even Satan himself, one of his greatest desires is to use this to cause disunity. Because if we're so busy fighting amongst each other, we don't even pay attention to him. The heat's off him. So as we express our variety and our uniqueness, we need to emphasize unity. My third point is this. We need to maximize equality. Continuing in verse 14, it says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would, make, would that make, not make it any less a part of the body? And if ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I don't belong to the body, would that not make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear... Where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, there would be, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet, yet one body. See, the church of Corinth had this issue that they were overemphasizing one gift over all others. Now, scholars don't understand if it, they, some think this was tongues, some think this was prophecies, but the, that's not the point. The point is that they were taking one gift and saying, this is better than all the others. We love this gift and this gift alone. And what that did is create tension in the body because a lot of people began to feel discontent and unequal, and they even stopped participating in the church because they're like, I don't have that gift. They would think, they don't need me, so why bother getting involved? So Paul uses this, this kind of joke to show the church that it needs the whole body and that every part is necessary. See, there's no... Uh, vestigial organs in the body of Christ. And what a vestigial organ is, is it's a organ thought to have one time been useful, but now in modern times isn't used. The number one that was always thought to be this way was the appendix. So many people thought this organ is now useless. They thought that uh, before it was used to, to, um, to help digest things, but now it's not. But they found recently that it's still a vital part of our immune system. See, in the church, there's no such thing as vestigial organs. The reason I say this is because even in my own experience, you see many churches malfunction because they begin to put a specific gift on a pedestal. They leave people out and they're saying, 
that's great that you have that, but did you see that gift? And it leaves other people thinking, I don't have that gift, therefore I'm not important. God can't use me. And they begin to be envious. I've even seen it get worse where people will admire people with a specific gift and they'll go to school to be trained thinking that's the only way that God can use them. And here's the problem. God never called or equipped them to be that. And everyone sees it. See, he compares two parts of the body and he uses some humor that maybe most of us just kind of overglare, but he talks about the whole body being an eyeball. Can you imagine a six foot eyeball right here? I don't want to because they're gross and they're mucusy and I just, ugh, it's gross, but... That's the humor that he's using. He's like, think of a six-foot eyeball. What can it do? Nothing. Can it get from place to place? No. Can you talk with it? No. It has no ears. It can't sense anything. So he's comparing these two parts of the, bo- these parts of the body, and two are seen and two are unseen, and yet all of them are important. See, the hand is very visible. We see the hands all the time. We use hands to shake hands. We use hands to embrace people. And if you're me, you use it to conduct air traffic as you're speaking. It's just how it works. We don't see feet very often. Amen, right? Hopefully we're not. I don't know, summer's coming, maybe we will. But we don't see feet very often because we, we put them under our shoes. We put them away. We don't pay as much attention to them as we do the hand. And yet, how are we supposed to get from place one place to another? We can't walk on our hands. We need the feet. They're vital. And he uses, again, the eyes and the ears. See, the first thing you notice when you meet people is often the eyes because it's rude not to look people in the eyes when you're talking to them. We don't often look at people's ears. Ears are weird looking, but they're vital. We need them. See, while ears are ugly, they serve a purpose. They direct sound. And that's why they're shaped so oddly and so weird. Feet have a purpose. They bring us from place to place. We don't walk on our hands. See, all the parts of the body are vital and important. Even in verse 17, when he talks about the six-foot eyeball, he mentions again, you can't talk to it. You can't express yourself. It can't go anywhere. It's, it's, it's beautiful, but it becomes useless. It becomes useless. And here's the hard part. As, as we begin to elevate people and gifts on this pedestal, they're eventually going to fall. And the higher we lift them on that pedestal, the harder their fall is going to be because everybody fails and everyone falls eventually. It also creates inferiority. And people that don't have that gift or calling, they say, I can't do that. Therefore, I'm unimportant. Therefore, I don't want to serve in the body of Christ. I found this history, uh, story from history that I thought really portrayed this well. In 1981, President Reagan was shot. He's, and some of you may remember this. He survived being shot, and he was put in the hospital. He was out of his Oval Office for many weeks. He's the chief executive officer of the United States. And, the, and uh, wasn't Did America shut down in those weeks that he was gone? Some of you were alive. You know this. We're still here today. No, it kept going. Did you know that they did a study that if uh, all the trash collectors in America went on strike, what would happen? In fact, this happened uh, many years ago in a city in the East. They say if all trash collectors of America went on strike, within three weeks, the whole nation would reach crisis point and potentially shut down. So who's more important, the president or the trash collector? Both. We need both. See, we, that's why everybody is important. Whether you're noticed or not noticed, you're important. 
Verse 23, which we're not going to read today, even shows this, and it says that God actually gives special honor and special significance to those that aren't seen. He says that the, the gifts that aren't given often public notice and aren't given public honor, he honors especially more. I, I w- honestly, that makes me envious of some people because, man, I was like, I wish my gift was more private. I'd rather get God's honor than man's. I think that's amazing. See, you can, you, you can lose your eye and live, but if you, if you use, uh, lose your liver, you're not going to live. You're going to die. But do we often think about our livers? Do we go, hey, bro, how's your liver doing? Oh, it's doing well. When we carry pictures, what do we carry pictures of? Ourselves and our families. But we don't often bring x-rays to everyone and be like, check out my skeleton. Doesn't it look great? We never say, look at my guts. Aren't they fantastic? We don't think about them, but they're still vital. They're unseen, but they're so important. See, and in this church, it's the same way. I'm privileged to stand up here, guys. I, I'm thankful that God has called me to do this. I love doing this. I, I feel close to God when I get to share with you. I love it. But there are people who come every single week who volunteer and they pray. And although I'm a mouth and seen publicly, they create the heartbeat of this church. They're unseen, but they're so vital. Sunday morning couldn't happen if just me or just Pastor Brent showed up. We need everybody. God has a calling on all of us. My last point as Chris comes up is this, minimize self-sufficiency. Ending with verse 21 and 22, it says that I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. See, in the, in the previous verses, Paul dealt with this attitude of, oh, I must not be important because they don't need me. And in this, he's switching it. And he's talking to the people that take pride in their giftings. The people that say, my gifting is so strong that I don't need anyone else. See, this attitude's different. It's different. And I think, honestly, a lot of us have seen it even outside the church in the secular world. I think most of us have experienced when you begin to, in the workplace, work with somebody who's uncooperative, who's prideful, and continues to mess everything up. You guys know what I'm talking about? And they may be a very gifted person. You're like, I'm not arguing that you're very talented, but because you're acting this way, none of us want to work with you. See, that's terrible in the workplace, but it's even worse in the church. Many people in our culture today will say, I don't need the church. Can I tell you, that's a huge lie. It's a huge lie. Because of course you do. That's the whole point of what Jesus is saying in this passage, that we need each other. But especially in America, we're fighting our own nature and our own culture because the hallmark of American life is rugged individualism. It's this idea that I'm a pioneer. I don't need anyone else. I'm going to grind. I'll go out there on my own. But can I tell you, there's no lone rangers in Christianity. That goes against the complete intention of Christ building his church. See, Jesus wants built his church to have a community to display. He talks about it being a city on a hill. He wants to show people what he can do through a group that is redeemed together. When the world sees a considerate and loving and vibrant body, it makes an impact. They're like, that's different. We don't see that. But often, when they see a self-sufficient, biting and devouring group of people, it also makes an impact. But not for the good of the gospel, but to the detriment of it. 
In conclusion, I want to share this story. It talks about a mom inviting friends over for dinner. And these two families, they begin to sit at the dinner table, and the mom looks at her six-year-old daughter and says, Honey, I would love for you to pray the blessing over our meal. And the daughter looks up at her mom and she says, Mom, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know what to say. And the mom says, It's fine, honey. Just say what you hear me say. So the six-year-old closes her eyes. She bows her head. She says, Dear Lord, why on earth did I invite these people to dinner? Amen. <laughs> See, God has invited lots of people to his dinner. And many of us, we wouldn't naturally have things in common. We wouldn't naturally be friends if not for Jesus in our life. But Jesus in our life is so strong that he takes the contrary and gives us him in common. Probably about six or seven months ago, I went out to lunch with one of my friends here named Wes. He teaches our foundations class, and he's like, hey, uh, let's go to the, the burger place. I didn't know what he did for a living at the time. I'm like, yeah, man, that sounds great. So we get there, and I'm like looking around for him. He says he's there, and I see this guy dressed up in like a three-piece suit. And I'm wearing like a bro tank and some shorty shorts and a backwards snapback and flip-flops. And I uh, walk over and sit at the table. And the waitress comes over. And I kid you not, she's like, oh, that's so nice of you to be buying this homeless guy lunch today. And I'm like, cool, I'm actually paying. But, you know, it's cool. But me and Wes were sitting there talking. And, and we were cracking up because we're, we're talking about serious things. And he's asking my advice on stuff. And the people around us were like really weirded out because here's some like young punk kid talking to this guy that on the outside, uh, you know, was wearing a suit, looked really put together. And the world would think we have nothing in common. And worldly, we probably wouldn't. We come from very drastic stages and places in life. But because of Jesus, we came together in unity. We had deep connection that you can't have with other people. There are members of my own family that I can't be as close with as I can be as close with people in this church because Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything. One of my favorite things in this world, I still have it on my church computer, is uh, Chris actually took this picture. That same Wes was over here praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And my friend Tony is over there praying for him. He's laying hands on him. And you see this big, burly, buff, tattooed guy praying for somebody, again, in a suit. And you're just like, this makes no sense. There shouldn't be community here according to the world's standards. But that doesn't matter to Jesus. See, all of us have gifts and all of us have been called. And if you've discovered your gift and you're employing it in this body, then you're doing it for the betterment of us all and you're profiting everyone here. But if you're not using your gift, if you don't even know what your gift is, can I just be frank? The Bible says you're hurting us. And you're hurting the impact that the gospel can have on this community. So I want to close with this last question. And it's a really simple one. Where will you serve? Where will you serve? See, it's not a question of, has God called you? Because the scripture told us God's called everyone. God's gifted everyone. My question is, where will you serve? Where will you profit the body? Where will you allow Christ to use you for the profit of us all? Because whether it's on the greeting team, whether it's working with kids, whether it's playing an instrument, whether it's running slides, whether it's speaking on the stage, all are vital. And God's called us to all those things. So this morning, I'm going to pray and then turn it over to Pastor Brent. But I just want to encourage you guys, don't hold yourself short of what God's called you to do. Because it may be unconventional. And don't hold this body short 
who God created you specifically for our benefit and our profit. God, right now, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for this church. I thank you for the calling that you've placed on each one of our lives individually, but also communally. God, you've gifted each one of us so that we can come together in unity and purpose to make an impact for you. God, that just like you said in your word, we are a city on a hill. God, we are a group of redeemed people that you created us, sons and daughters. You created a people. You created a nation. You created a kingdom that is here right now in this room. God, help us display your love, your glory, your gospel through how we serve one another. God, continue to enable us with gifts so that we can serve one another and make an impact on this community. God, I pray that you would grow us both numerically with people being transformed, God, and spiritually by us growing deeper, both with you and each other. God, I pray that we wouldn't have the mindset of being individuals in this world, that we don't need the church or we don't need anyone. We got this. We're self-sufficient. God, the American way is broken. God, your way is perfect. God, bring us closer together. God, allow us to be vulnerable with one another. If there's someone here, God, and they are not in a small group, convict their heart even now. God, if there's someone here and they're not serving, convict their heart even now. God, we care so much more for their destiny and their happiness. God, we care for their joy. God, more than, more than, their, than them liking us. God, we love you. We thank you for how you're going to continue to work. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, this morning we're going to respond with our connection cards. So if you'll get out your phones and your, uh, if you prefer, there's paper connection cards. Um, with your paper connection card, when we leave today, on your way out of the auditorium, our ushers are going to have the buckets. And if you'll just drop that uh, connection card in the bucket on your way out. Um, other than that, though, um, we encourage you to do our, our digital connection card, which is uh, the QR code is going to be up on the screen here. Um, you can also go to nlcchurch.com slash connect. Sandy, if you could put that QR code up there for us. Um, I really like what Ty said about, about resisting self-sufficiency. Can I tell you, people are kind of surprised when I say this, but where I feel the most rejuvenated and the most uh, safe is when I'm in my house by myself or with my family. That's like my, my jam. I, if I could make a living just living in my house, that would be like the ultimate right there. I love that. But can I tell you that we, we come together because we actually need each other. We, we are not lone wolves, are we? We need one another. And, and you might say, I, I can really do this Christian walk on, on my own. I can do this. I think you'd be surprised how much we depend on one another, how much you need someone else. And can I tell you, if you do say, I can still, I'm pretty self-sufficient. Let me, let me encourage you on this. Can you bring the guitar down just a little bit for me? It's a little bit heavy. Let me encourage you on this. Um, you might not say I need someone else, but I guarantee you there's someone that needs you. You might say, I don't, I don't need this. I, I, it, it's, it doesn't really fulfill me to serve in this ministry or to do this. Can I tell you someone else may need you? Sundays happen because people come and make it happen. We are able to bask in, in the presence of God and do all these things because someone comes and prepares the, 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 the spaces. They, they get all the, the chairs ready to go. They have uh, the coffee and all those things. Those are ways that we are able to serve here in the church. And yes, there's ways that we serve outside the church too. But today we're talking specifically about how we're used here among the body of Christ. And so here's our challenge. On those connection cards, there are ways to serve. 
But I'm going to emphasize one especially, and that is our children's ministry. Our children's ministry is looking right now for eight new volunteers. Pastor Charity says, I need eight new volunteers to step into our children's ministry. Can I tell you, our kids' ministry has blown up in this last year. We have on a Sunday morning in a single service, it's not unusual to have over 30 kids in our kids' church alone for, during one of the services. During, during, so some, service, some Sundays we'll have over 50 kids in our kids' ministry upstairs. That's amazing. But that means we need workers. That means we need people that are pouring into them. And so we need people to step out and say, for one service, I'm going to serve, and then I'll attend a second service. And it may be you serve once a month. It may be you serve twice a month. We can work with that. But mark on your connection card you're interested in serving in kids' ministry, and I can make you a promise. You will not show up next week, and we throw a lanyard on you and kick you into a room of three-year-olds, and we're like, good luck to you. Pastor Charity is someone that empowers and enables you and you go in set up for success. You're going to go in and you're going to be ready for a win. I know we have kids ministry workers here that are agreeing. She, she sets you up for the win. So one of the areas we're looking for, for people to step into ministry, maybe it's something you've never done before, is kids ministry. Because kids ministry is where change can occur that lasts a lifetime. Um, I've used this illustration before. Who can name the 2008 National League Cy Young winner? 2008, Cy Young, probably the, the greatest individual award you can receive in baseball. No one can. And they, 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 they worked their whole life for that. But who can name their third grade teacher? Most all of us. You think back to the people that have the greatest impact. It's not the person that can throw the baseball the fastest and the most accurate in 2008. It's the person that changed your life when you were a child. And so this is an opportunity for you to have eternal life change in, in a young person's life. So this is, I, I'm, I'm, I want you to find a place to serve. If you're not serving in some place, find a place. And if you're like, I am literally allergic to children, hives and things break out, find another place to serve then, okay? Find a place to serve. Mark it on your connection card because we all need to be a part involved in what's going on in the body. Amen? So let's respond on those con connection cards right now. I like the awkward silence Pastor Ty has leaned into during connection cards. So we're just going to sit in silence while you fill those out. Ready, set, go. All right. I see eyes starting to look up. That means connection cards are being finished. If you... Mark that, that you're interested in kids' ministry. Again, I promise you're not committing yourself to it either. You're not going into a spot where they're like, now I'm just stuck in kids' ministry for the rest of my life. No, we, we, this is something where we can start the conversation. It's just the first step of just seeing where God may be placing you, all right? So let's stand together this morning. I am excited for what Pastor Ty talked about. The body of Christ being empowered, enabled, and sent. That's what we're all about. So right now, church, let's respond. Jesus, I thank you that we are the body of Christ here on earth. That you, that you have sent uh, and established your bride that, that one day you will return for. But in the meantime, we are, about, we are supposed to be about the Father's business. We are not just supposed to hold down the fort, not just supposed to stay in our own little holy huddle, but we are supposed to be out doing the Father's business. And Lord, right now I pray that we would be a sent people, a purposeful people. And God, that you would just let this church continue to blossom and grow and we would see your hand at work as we do these things. In your name we pray. And all together God's people said, Amen. 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 Go with God today. Have a blessed day.